Welcome to Wealth Builders Real Estate Investing Podcast with your host, Marcus Cron. We interview experts so you can understand all aspects of real estate investing. Whether you're a passive investor or an experienced syndicator, this podcast can guide you on your journey of building wealth through real estate. If you want to get in touch with me directly to learn more about real estate or to see all of the available podcast episodes and show notes, visit my website, marcuscron.com. Hey guys, Marcus Cron here. Welcome to Wealth Builders Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today I'm joined by Oscar Buendia, who has some great insight for how to start multifamily investing, how to grow and scale. So you're really going to want to listen in and tune into this episode. So Oscar, welcome to the show. Hey Marcus, thank you so much, man. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's awesome to have you in on the show here, kind of share your expertise. So uh, just to kind of give you a little brief intro to my audience, if they haven't heard of you already, Oscar, he's a U.S. Air Force captain and co-founder of REI Brothers and Good Day Capital. His real estate investing firm syndicates and joint ventures in apartment buildings. So, Oscar, tell me a little bit about your story. How did, how do you get into multifamily investing? I mean, sounds like you're still active, uh, working in the Air Force. Uh, it's a unique transition to kind of jump from, you know, working in that space to now going into multifamily investing. Kind of what piqued your interest? How did you get into multifamily investing in the first place? Yeah, so I mean, it's been it's been crazy. To be honest, we really started ramping up in multifamily and commercial side of the house about two years ago in 2019. Uh, before that, I was just doing a lot of the more residential, the traditional uh, real estate strategies, uh, fix and flip, wholesale. Um, uh, you know, try to acquire by seller financing, subject to things like that, right? And then in 2019, uh, we were approached to to buy a 300-unit rental portfolio. Uh, and this was the first time we were ever approached to, you know, a seller wanted to, to offload that in. And it was immediately something that we we were like, well, let's try to figure it out. And we did. We took 20 units out of that pie, um, which we felt was good enough for, for us to, to control and be able to, to manage from there, I mean, all limited beliefs crushed um, because during that process, it forced us to reach out to uh, private lenders, normal lenders, uh, private equity, you name it, all kinds of different funding sources that in the past I I wouldn't have approached or wouldn't even think of. Uh, but since I wasn't in my comfort zone, I had to start reaching out outside of my network and actually find how to structure these this deal uh and then from there we close and everything and as we as we progress we were actually this was right before COVID um we had made some pretty good relationships with uh, private equity and we were we were uh we had LOI accepted on a few buildings 75 units uh one was 45 units and we had funding ready. We were ready to, to make it happen. And then COVID ramped up higher and all the financing dried up. So, you know, we were going a thousand miles per hour and then boom, stop. Yeah, nothing we could do about it. So from there, we, we slowed down and we realized, okay, well, you know what? Maybe it's for a reason. So we joined uh, Jake and Gino Academy, which they're, they're big uh, multifamily uh, operators. And it's been a blessing because, you know, we we took action 
And then we took the education piece. That education piece now has helped us know about the unknowns, unknowns, which we, we didn't know about it. And we learned a lot through this academy and learning about what we could have ran into with these other properties. So it was a blessing that, that we didn't take those on. Um, but, but that's how we, that's our short-term story of how we got started from there. Yeah, so talk about that, that importance of it, education. I mean, it sounds like, I mean, you're plugged in with a great community with, with uh, the Jake and Gino community who's, you know, done great things and, and now is getting back and educating so many different people. And that was even going to be my, one of my questions is like, you know, you, you go in and you jump into multifamily, you, you kind of went from fix and flips and different things and kind of learning organically. But, you know, there's a point in time when you just really need to dig into the learn from it, somebody that's been done this for years and just learned every aspect of the business and really just learn from them and have like some level of mentorship. Right. So could you talk a little bit about that? Like what kind of things did you pick up through that program and learning and, and getting educated from just, um, you know, trying to figure it out all yourself versus going to somebody that can be perceived as an expert that really knows and can teach you and train the methods of, of, of investing. And, and not only just from like an active side, but I mean, stressing the importance of it from a passive investor side, like what the things that they need to know as well before they kind of jump into a deal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it's twofold for active and passive, right? Because as a passive investor, you're going to want to make sure that your active guy is actually doing everything correctly, right? And that's one of the things that, you know, we take to heart is that we don't ever want to take a dime from anybody unless we know we can fully operate at a certain level. Uh, whether it's a funds of funds concept or it's a uh, strictly asset management role, depending on what role, but you got to know what you're doing. And I, I, I think it, it's pretty cool because, because multifamily apartment buildings, commercial, it's so big that it forces you to work as a team with other people that you may not have done it before if you were doing it residential. And for us, it became, we, we started noticing that we were, good at certain parts but we were lacking in others and that's when the conversation the hard conversation came with my brother and say hey you know we should look for education because maybe we're not where we think we are right and then and that's also some self-reflection and joined and obviously I mean amazing community a thousand plus members I have four coaches and the beautiful thing about it is that I took a an a it's a course, and I mean, it took me six months to complete, but the due diligence, everything from due diligence to asset management to how to how to do the financing even better, even the things I knew how to do correctly, I learned from them how to do things even better, how to ref refine that process, uh, especially due diligence, right? I mean, that's the biggest hurdle, I think, for anyone in the real estate space, and if you're coming in, and, or as a passive investor, if you're relying on the active person, you know, they, they may know, but there's always that thing you, you might miss. And these guys, I mean, I, would, I show them deals and they point out to me, hey, you know, this is what you're doing wrong. This is really right. Pay attention to this, right? And, and it's key to have someone like that when you're scaling. And, you know, education may not be for everyone. You can either learn the hard way on your own right? And that's fine too. 
or you can you can pay for some high quality mentorship to you know to ease those speed bumps that you may get along the way right so yeah that's the perfect example there where it's like you could probably have gone and, and done all of it by yourself and and a lot of people go and do that right but i mean with multifamily and, and commercial investing like there's just so many aspects that are you know like you can't control and there's so much stuff to know that you're not going to just jump in and know everything right off the bat there's going to be speed bumps and and challenges that you face and, and sometimes if it's, if it's the first time you've dealt with it you're not going to have all the tools and expertise to kind of go in and handle it you know as efficiently as somebody that's kind of seen it been there been through the bumps and bruises and 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 can really guide guide somebody that's earlier in the journey uh to yeah you know kind of how to get through those those challenges efficiently so um that's important i i, I you know you've, you've stressed it and it's shown that it's had great value for you so um talk about that you, you highlighted that deal that you did you know there was like a 300 unit portfolio sounds like it's really interesting how you took a portion of it 20 units is that correct like how did that work how did you get into that first deal and how did what's the specifics of how you actually got 20 units out of a 300 unit portfolio so we negotiated i mean uh, this person wanted to offload it, and that's the thing uh rent it that's part of our lesson, lessons learned is residential rental portfolios don't evaluate as quick as commercial so and there's not as many people buying them which creates both opportunity and disadvantages the opportunity is that as a buyer i'm gonna probably get a bargain because um i'm buying in bulk and they want to offload not that many people are buying the disadvantage is when I become the buyer and I want to offload. Same thing is going to happen. People are going to say, hey, I'm buying in bulk. You know, these are 20 different transactions put into one, you know, different different uh, parcel number. Uh, so it's a lot more with title. It becomes more of a hassle. So less people do it. Um, so as a, as a seller, it becomes harder. But yeah, so we just negotiated. We took a portion of it off and, you know, we were able to to do that part we did due diligence not as as uh, good as we should have and that's part of what i say like looking back we we know so much more from our, our education and our, our experience now that it is crazy i mean in, in a year and a half we've we've gone i mean exponentially grown in, in knowledge and then from there you know just we talked to the owner um we found you know the private money to do it and and closed and took it down we, we we're actually just stabilized it to 100 percent um and we're working on getting a refi out of it to, for a longer term longer amortization right so could you talk a little bit about the specifics of the property like maybe what market is it in how old is it and uh yeah what type of business plan that you you had on it so yeah just kind of dig into into more of the details on the property itself yeah, absolutely. So it's a mix of small residential multi. Uh, th this one is, uh, a, we have a fourplex, a few duplexes, and the rest are uh, residential. Uh, but from there, you know, we, let's see here. Uh, it, it's in Ohio. Um, one of the advantages that I thought at first was a disadvantage was that there's Section 8, which is um, assisted uh, uh, housing 
and which actually saved us during COVID because uh, we were able to um, convert a lot of those units even more to Section 8. And we had guaranteed payments during uh, COVID and, and during the, the heart of it. And then also um, we learned that, you know, Section 8 was not as bad as people said, there's still screening. These tenants don't want to get kicked off because they need their vouchers, so they'll take care of your property. Our best tenants were Section 8. And then on top of that, the ones that we filled, we the city gave us a rent pump of $300. You can't, you can't beat that. So I fell in love with Section 8. Um, and th these are outside of Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, what else would you want to know about it? Yeah, like how did you how did you come across the deal? How did you you know find it, or you know did you kind of have to call directly to the owner? Did you have to go through uh, a broker, no. or how did you come across it? No, so we're more off market. Well, I mean, let me clarify. We that one was off market, but for every deal, there's a in every market, there's a criteria where you can go off market uh, direct to seller, and then above a certain unit or price point. Is where usually it is completely broker dominated. You can, I mean, if you go directly to seller, uh, congrats, but some broker probably already beat you to it. Um, so what, what we did was actually my, my brother got really creative. Um, he started posting a lot of Facebook groups and started posting it and saying, hey, you know, we're looking to purchase, we're looking to purchase. And then he flew out. And, and before he flew out, he said, hey, I'm flying out. I want to meet as many people as I can in this area uh, for the next week. I'll be here. We're going to purchase. So here's my number. Call me. Let's get together. Email me, whatever. And yeah, for a week straight, he went out there meeting after meeting, conference after conference, met with uh, realtors, wholesalers, you name it. Um, and then eventually... You know, it, it, one of the bigger operators in the area approached my brother and said, hey, this is what we have. You know, what can you do? You know, we're offloading. And my brother, you know, immediately was like, okay, well, let's talk about it. And that's how that relationship was built. But it was it was pretty pretty impressive because I think that the, the fact that people saw, okay, well, this guy's flying out. He's serious, you know? It wasn't like a normal little posting that someone was putting on the internet saying, hey, if you have a deal, send it my way uh, through email, right? He was flying out, talking to people, shaking hands. So. Yeah, key thing being there, like relationships, right? Like that's really how that one came across and just having a presence and letting people know what you're doing and what you're looking for and and being willing to meet in person and 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 build that relationship with potential, you know, a, a, somebody that could sell to you, right? So that's a great example there. So was there any renovations that were needed to be done on this property or what was kind of the business plan on, on in that sense? Yeah, yeah, there were. There were actually, and as part of the issues with due diligence, we we made some mistakes in due diligence and we ended up doing more renovations. So up to date, we probably put about 50, 50K renovations. Um, and like I said, they're all stabilized, but yeah, it took a lot of work. We also had one tenant that completely trashed one unit, and he was not a Section 8 tenant. He was a normal tenant, but uh, when uh, the, the eviction, um, uh, what's it called, uh, I forget the name, the moratorium, uh, came out that we could, you couldn't evict anyone, this guy did not pay rent, didn't do anything, 
and just trash the place. Eventually we got him out and he, uh, we had to renovate it. We had to, I mean, it wasn't much. It was like, I think it was like uh, 10K, but I think that's a lot for a turnover, right? And, and yeah, I mean, like I said, now we're at a hundred percent. So we're excited about that. Right. So, and talk about the asset management aspect. So are you self-managing that all, or do you have a third-party property manager that's looking after those units? No. Yeah. So that's, that's a great question, man. So I, I still have a W2 job. I'm an active duty officer in the military. My brother is a, a retiring uh, gunnery sergeant. So for us, I can't, I can't be in operations day to day. So I have a third party property management that's handling that. And then my brother and I split, um, you know, our, our management roles with, with that property manager and make sure that we're meeting certain objectives. Uh, and then when it comes with, with overall everything else, right. Cause it's not just uh, our real estate side. We also do the education side through REI brothers. You know, we, one of the things that I, I'm big on is delegating um, and finding out how to build a team. So I've gotten to a point where I have an executive assistant and she handles a lot of uh, little things and, and working through emails and, and recording podcasts, you name it, scheduling things and making sure things are done when I'm at work. So that's another way if, if someone is looking to do this with a, a, a job, you know, you there is quality talent out there that you could take on. It's an investment in yourself and in your time so that you can go grow your, your business and also bring in more money. Right. No, that's that's really critical in, in building the right team around you. And because like mm-hmm. it, you've heard this, many people have probably heard this over and over that real estate is a team sport. I mean, were you to try to go and do this all by yourself, maybe you'd be able to do it, but let alone not with a full-time job and probably not near as effectively as as a group that has a full-time you know, a team the right yeah. team around them right which is sounds like you've built a, a team because you realize you can't do it all alone because you're not going to be as efficient as the person that's got you know the resources and the, the team to go out and and make sure that things are running smoothly because it, it takes time and effort and and the right people with the right knowledge and skill sets to kind of you know, find Absolutely. a deal, put the capital together, arrange the financing, manage it effectively. Cause yeah, this is a challenging business and it takes the right operator to do it. So it sounds like you've built some great systems around doing that. So, um, so with the asset management aspect, how are you kind of going about that? Because you, you get your, your property manager in place. How do you go about managing the KPIs and, and overseeing the property manager to make sure that either hey, they're hitting their targets, they're, they're doing an effective job to, to make sure the, property is being optimized so my my that's currently my brother's handling that but he meets every monday uh and they talk about all the issues and everything and it's handled periodically weekly and then i kind of get updated and we talk about it we decide about what's the best way to do certain thing and and yeah that's that's really it it's just a conversation with the property manager we have some spreadsheets that show kind of where things are at. But for the most part, it's that conversation with him, with the property manager, then my brother and I talk and we make sure that we get either get back on track or or meet some new objectives. Yeah, and, and kind of how you're alluding it to how you and your brother kind of just have a really synergistic relationship where 
you're going to have this great partnership where you're dividing and conquering. Um, sounds like he's looking after the asset management and, and really kind of, um, although there's going to be overlap and you're going to share responsibilities because you're going to have to have conversations, review reports, but um, especially in this in this business, you're going to want to have clear delineations like who's going to be accountable for certain things and then make sure that every single task, moving parts within managing and finding properties is is efficient and everything, no balls are getting dropped along in the process. And and once again, you know, it sounds like you've built something great where you and your brother can kind of divide and conquer and look for assets, underwrite them and, and continually manage effectively. So what are, when you're actually finding these deals, talk about some of the things you've learned and experienced over underwriting them, doing the due diligence. Like what, what is the process that you go through when you find a deal and, and then basically assess if this is a deal that you want to try to acquire or not? Like talk about that process. Yeah, so, you know, we, we either get our leads from two places, brokers or wholesalers, and it depends on how it is. Um, and we, you know, I'll start underwriting, um, making sure we'll pull demographic data, we'll pull uh, population growth, we'll pull population uh, moves, where people are moving. Um, and we have a, uh, one of uh, the Jake and Gino members uh, created a, an awesome platform um, it's called marketnomad.com. Uh, and you go on there and that that platform, he hasn't even advertised or anything. We just use it in the community, but it costs, I think, $99 to sign up um, for life now. And then what that site does, it pulls all the data that you normally go dig for for stats and, and the city and, and you name it. And it gives you a rating by A, B, C, D, so you automatically know if the neighborhood or wherever you're looking at, it's a good area to invest. Uh, so those data points automatically help you. From there, we take that to the other writer. We, we determine if it's a good deal. We, we, do, we do the best to uh, you know, do it conservatively to, to the economy. Um, and, but the last thing that we do is you know, we run it by our mentors. We do, we run, hey, did we miss anything, right? Because one of the things that people do is called pencil whipping a deal. Um, you want it to work, so you make the numbers work. Um, we're all prone to that, right? So you always want to bounce it off someone to say, hey, like, nah, man, you, you're not being realistic in this area or you missed this or, or hey, property taxes are actually going to end up costing this because that's the price you're going to buy it at. Um, so, so yeah, that that's really how we do it. Yeah, and that's a good good point there. I mean, with most with most investors, right? Like we'd consider ourselves deal junkies. You're always looking for ways to make deals work and, and happen. And you can there's times where you can get overzealous and and look make a deal work on paper just because you want to get a deal done. And and that's important to be conservative during that time because it's it's easy to kind of flip one number in your spreadsheet and and very quickly make a deal look better than it might be because you want to get a deal done but yeah that's definitely the the benefit of yeah, reviewing it closely being conservative and and buying only deals that really hit your criteria and then running it by people that that also are going to be able to see things that you might have missed or um, really have a holistic perspective in their underwriting process to make sure that you've thought of everything in your financial model so do you use a standardized financial model or pro forma when you're going to underwrite or talk about that when you're actually putting it into an Excel model to actually determine whether it's a good deal or not? 
Yeah. So uh, we're always looking at the price at the the price at, at the moment. We're not looking at the performer. We're not. But however, so the the deal analyzer that we use, we use two. We use uh, the Jake and Gina one, and then I use the Michael Blanc one. Uh, I'm not sure if your audience is familiar with. It has four different categories you can input and it gives you the current. And basically I only do two. I do the current and then I do the pro forma. And where it sits in the middle um, is where, where you, that, that's your wiggle room really. Um, but we like to stay conservative. So we like to stay with what the market rate is on at right now. You don't wanna overpay. You don't wanna pay for future because then you're not getting a deal, right? I mean, it's not, that's not the way it works. Right. So what are some of the markets that you're looking in right now? I know you bought this first deal or this 20 unit deal in, Cle- in the Cleveland, Ohio area. Where are you currently looking now and what are some of the markets that you like and, and why do you like them? Yeah. So we're, we're focused still in the Cleveland, Ohio area uh, and also uh, Columbus. Uh, and the reason that we like them is we set up a network there already we have the proper contractors we have the property managers in place um so those are the big key elements and we have them there and we trust them so we know if we we were to pick up those there we could we could do something uh the other places that we're focusing is along the uh, the southeast of the united states so um anything along that belt so south carolina uh down to florida and then maybe even georgia and we're looking there, mainly we're looking at Florida, to be honest, and we're looking around the Tampa, Central Florida, MSA. However, a lot of institutional money was coming in during COVID because Florida is uh, very stable and everyone's moving there. If all the population's moving there, then all the institutional money is gonna move there, uh, which is causing, you know, uh, compressed cap rates, very high prices. Uh, these companies don't care, they'll, buy something overpriced, even if they're only making a 2% return, it's better than no return for a company that's holding millions of dollars, right? So, you know, they rather put it somewhere that's stable and safe. But yeah, those are the areas that we're looking at. We have two models right now. Uh, the model that we were initially going with was the, um, you know, asset management, raising capital itself. And now what we're looking to do is actually the funds, the funds model, model will actually, um, go and work with uh, other operators and help fund their deals. So I'm, I'm working on making the connections with more private uh, private uh, hedge funds and, and family offices uh, so that I can show them the investments that I have because I'm pretty well connected and, and, and I get deals all the time. I'm just having the, the issue of the funding right now. Uh, if, I, if I didn't have that, we'd be locking down deals left and right because people keep coming to us for, for more funding so we can do it that way. Right. So talk a little bit about that model. Uh, I don't think we've chatted too much before on my show about it, but that fund to fund models where you basically yeah, look to fund other operators deals. Could you explain that a little bit more detail? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and just, you know, to caveat, I am a, a busy guy, right? So I have a W2 and I think the, the, the fund to fund model is uh, if you have a full-time job still and you're, you're, balance it. I think it's an easier way to do it because you're not going to end up doing the actual asset management. You're, you're bringing it in. So uh, the SEC, and I'm not sure how it is in Canada. So, you know, don't, 
don't quote me on this one, please do your due diligence. But uh, in the United States, the way it works is that the SEC regulates this uh, regulation. Um, I think it's a regulation A fund. Um, and essentially you create this fund and now you can pull money together and pull it into other uh, other other deals that may be syndicating. So you come in and you just fund it like like if you were a normal investor, but a big pool. And as opposed to what they're doing, they're doing is a 506B or 506C, uh, which would be for just accredited or non-accredited investors. And that's not a fund. Uh, that's that's just a pure syndication. And there's a difference there. There, there are legalities, right? And you have to be careful because uh, you, you can you get fined. So you everything I say here, caveat it and, and find a lawyer and do it correctly, right? But essentially those are the big two differences. A fund you can you can and you're allowed to diversify people's money into different investments, whether and it's not just real estate. I mean you can you can create a fund for just about anything and, and you can diversify that money. Right. So then I guess your plan would then be create that fund. You have that pool of funds that then you can go allocate and then you'd select your specific operators and then would you go and say deploy it into individual operators deals like say somebody else is going doing a syndication on this hundred unit in florida then you would take that money from your pool and be like i'm going to underwrite that deal i like it i like the operator i'm going to go deploy it into that one specific asset with that operator absolutely man um and the reason for it for example um so i've been talking to a lot of like family offices and people like that all the feedback I get is usually that those places want to conserve capital, right? So they're not really into the, the huge uh, returns of, of 8% or, you know, cash on cash and a, a 20 total return annually. So with that, normally what I get is that they're looking for like around 3%, 4%, right? And say that the preferred return on a syndication is 8%. I mean, there's a 4% spread if you bring it in as a fund. Right. It's all about the cost of capital. If 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 I find the cost of capital cheaper than with a traditional investor, I, I can just find these good deals, which I, I'm pretty well connected with all these operators in Jake and Gino. Uh, I know so, so many of them now from Michael Blanc, from all over now, that I know if I want to find a deal and say, hey, I have $3 million to deploy, what deals you got? I know I'm going to find a credible and experienced operator to fund their deals and, and make money off and, and obviously provide the returns to the, the investor uh, base correctly. But I could do that for multiple, right? So that that's kind of the model I'm shifting into. And I'm really liking it because it, it's, uh, I think it's the next step after syndication. So I keep finding the next step after every strategy. I keep trying it. I'm like, this is so amazing because you know, that I, I keep telling everyone that the real wealth is in these private investments and it's in funds uh, because you growing up, I've never been exposed to that. But when you start seeing the returns that people are doing, it is ridiculous. And you don't, you know, I, I didn't know about it a few years ago because my network, no one could, no one knew about it. And also based on the law, no one can really advertise to you and say, you know, give me your money because they protect non-accredited investors, rightfully so. Right. And you had mentioned you're kind of looking to 
have more conversations, establish relationships with family offices. So can you talk about that process? How are you going out there and building these connections with family offices to kind of introduce potential deals to them? Yeah, so currently I'm building a, a pitch deck. I'm working with several other guys that have built funds before and looking at how to one lower the cost with the legal fees because it costs it can cost anywhere from 15 to maybe $30,000 to set up the whole fund. Um, but if I can do the paperwork uh, kind of already or have a template, it can be significantly cheaper. And, you know, with, with this, um, let me see, what else were you asking? <laughs> oh, yeah, I was just looking like, I mean, you'd mentioned chatting and, and getting oh, relationships yeah, yeah. to, to yeah. introduce different deals to family offices. How are you kind of going out and building relationships with with those types of groups? Because typically they're they're quite selective in the types of deals they look at and, and really it takes you know, time to build trust in the relationship for them to actually make yeah. make or deploy capital with a with an operator. I mean, because they're sophisticated, they've got very sophisticated underwriting and due diligence process. So can you talk okay. a little bit about that? How you're getting getting in the door and build, building relationships and and building that trust with them to to look at you as yeah. a credible place to that's right. capital. That, and that's where I was going with this. So so what I've been doing is building the base, right? Uh, pitch deck, the lawyer stuff, and then I've already called uh, some of them. And the way I've been finding them is really literally through Google. I mean, Google and LinkedIn, right? I mean, you can find any any office, any any financial service on there. Um, and call, just pick up the phone and, and call and see if they're open to chatting. And so far I've called just to find out if they're interested in real estate. Uh, and some of them have said, yes, uh, that when I'm ready to send them something, they'll give me, they gave me an email. So that's the first step, right? Just finding out one is don't waste your time calling ones that, that don't finance real estate. They might be for healthcare or medical devices. I don't know. Right. So you kind of have to niche down. And, and from there, just, just make yourself presentable, have a game plan, have, you know, um, I would hire or talk to someone about uh, the financial models that you're going to employ so that you can not just say it, but put it on paper. Uh, because if you don't put it on paper, you know, it, it, it's not going to happen and they know that. So you need to be able to present it correctly uh, at, at first glance. And that's, that's the part that I'm missing right now is, is that piece. And then once I have it all together, I'll begin again, just making those relationships and, and calling them. Also, another way is just how we're talking, right? I mean, networking, hey, you know, I'm always looking for investors. I'm always looking for credit investors. Um, by any chance, do you know any family offices, right? And who knows, maybe, maybe you like me, maybe we can work together in the future and, you know, we can, you can connect me right so there's always there's always a way awesome yeah so appreciate all that insight there so i'm actually going to start wrapping up this conversation taking it into the final four questions where you just give short to the point answers so first one here what is your favorite real estate or business book oh that's hard man that's really hard i think right now my favorite book uh and it was my favorite book in 2020 uh hunter thompson um raising private capital for real estate yeah it's a fantastic book and hunter is very knowledgeable yeah. and actually just interviewed him probably 
uh, not too long ago. He's a few episodes back. So he's a no great way. guy, very, very intelligent. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what is one thing you wish you knew when you got started in real estate investing? I wish I would have jumped straight to, uh, you know, commercial and syndication and, and funds. I wish I would have had the exposure from someone who was doing that. So I can know that was the real way I should be doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's just more scalable. It's faster. So, yeah. well, I mean, still got a long runway ahead of you. So yeah. definitely a lot a lot more you can accomplish still in this model. And you've come across it a lot earlier than, than some people that really never come across it or they come across it later in their career. So uh, definitely got some, some uh, I know you'll accomplish some great things with it for sure. So what's a daily habit that helps you be successful in real estate? Uh, so I'm, I'm very intentional. I plan a lot. So, I mean, I write down just about everything and I keep track of it. You know, I, I, I think in real estate, you have to be a detailed person because the money's in the details. So I try to apply that in every aspect of my life and improve uh, 1%, you know, every day, just be a better person every day. Yeah, always having that mindset of wanting to improve. That's it's really critical in not just business, but in life, right? So uh, next one here, what do you do for fun? For fun, that's a hard one because I have, a, you know, a third child on the way and they're all little, uh, but really honestly play with them because they're a blast. We run around the, the living room now. So and they chase me, I chase them. So that's really the fun. If not, it would have been traveling. We, we were traveling before COVID, but uh, now we're kind of cooped up in our in our house. <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds like you're cooped up and keeping busy with uh, with two kids, and now the third on the way. So that's congrats to you. And, Thanks, man. I appreciate. And I got I got my I got one right now, and he's just learned how to crawl. So oh. it's it's been a change going from just holding him and yeah. and being. Just in one place now i've got to watch him he's kind of climbing on everything just yeah. it's just a whole different scenario now just making sure that he's safe all the time so now, it, it's now it gets fun yeah now it gets fun to watch <laughs> yeah all right so last last one here how can our listeners get in touch with you if they want to reach out or just learn more about what you're doing yeah absolutely so i'm pretty active on linkedin that's how we we found out uh found each other marcus uh, uh just oscar buendia on linkedin and then Pretty, we're pretty active on Instagram. Uh, uh, REI underscore brothers. Uh, you can find us on Facebook too. Same thing, REI brothers. Uh, our website, getdaycapital.com. We host our, all our information on there, podcasts, you name it, how to find us. But yeah, those are the main places and we're always glad to talk. We're actually launching a course uh, next month, exactly of what I have kind of talked about here, wishing I knew all these strategy, you know, syndication, all these strategies before I, I did it, all the other ones. Um, essentially, I'm, I'm teaching people all these other strategies, how to do them. But then I'm, I'm caveating it with showing them also how multifamily syndication is better, how they can skip all those other strategies and go with it. So if anyone's interested, uh, reach out and let me know. Perfect. Yes. Appreciate you sharing all those resources and ways to get in touch with you. So it's great having you on the show today, Oscar. Really, it was a pleasure. Thanks again for coming on and hopefully talk to you again soon. Thanks, brother. I really appreciate it, man. If you want to get in touch with me directly to learn more about real estate or to see all of the available podcast episodes and show notes, visit my website, marcuscron.com. 
Thanks for listening to the episode. If you enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes. If you enjoy the podcast or if it provides value in any way, make sure to leave a five-star review. This helps the show attract top quality guests who will be able to provide even more insight into how you can build wealth through real estate. Talk to you next time.